Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. Our goal is to get to the root issues of systemic problems using a theological and psychological lens. We hope you enjoy. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings. Malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration Services, their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and we're back again with episode 115, and I have a very special guest, Mandy DeMarzo, who's on with us. We got connected um, back when I was doing the TED Talk stuff with Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, and we had posted about the book, and I went on her podcast, and then we just kind of swapped some mutual friends that that she thought highly of and that she thought would be good guests, and so I reached out, and and you thankfully said yes, and so I appreciate you coming on, uh, Mandy. Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm really excited for today's conversation and just talk to somebody who's also passionate about connecting people. Yeah. So you're a a trainer. You uh, have your own workout system called Burn that you take people through. And what really excited me as we talked earlier before we started was, you know, you've been an athlete your whole life. You love to win. You love to pursue uh, doing the hard things. But along the way, as a woman and a female competitor, you struggle with eating disorder and some of that stuff. So kind of take us through, tell us your story. Tell us kind of where you're from, how you got into sports and athletics, and then take us through that journey up till now. Absolutely. So I am from a small little town in upstate New York, a farm town where everybody takes care of everybody else. Um, And I have come to appreciate the power of sport and movement and the transformative nature from very early age. I was always an athlete my entire life. I I feel like I came out of the womb with a soccer ball at my feet. So um, I played Division I soccer at Colgate University. And um, after that, I pursued a career in marathon running and then moved on to triathlons and qualified for the Ironman World Championships. Um, And I've always just um, identified um, as an athlete. And it was only until later that I turned that into a career and decided I wanted to share my knowledge and my passion. Um, And so I created a workout called Burn. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I've taken for granted that I've always known that I'm a better person after I move and I work out and I sweat. And that is where I get my sanity and my clarity. And when I've, especially as the pandemic hit and things came bubbling up, I thought, what would be my active service? And so I took this workout that I taught in person and I brought that online to share with as many people as I could. And it's just a workout that everybody can do anywhere. Oh, wow. And I really believe that we are all athletes in our own right. And, you know, I think that there's such a misnomer about strength and being an athlete. And you have to have, you know, certain credentials to call yourself an athlete. 
And one of my biggest missions is to change that narrative that everybody's an athlete. Everybody has the right to feel strong, to feel powerful. And um, so that's what I've really committed a lot of my days and years trying to do to impart and um, just share my love of sport with as many people as I can. That's awesome. I mean, I think that's so needed because uh, I don't know if you've seen this recently, but there's a commercial from the 50s or 60s. I can't remember which president it is. And um, I think it's JFK. And he's talking about like the average high schooler. Have you seen this commercial? And they're all doing pull-ups and they're on the monkey bars and they're running and they're, and you know, they're all trim and fit. And, you know, the goal was ultimately for youth of today to, to be in shape and to take care of themselves. And, and it wasn't like, you know, as toxic as things can get today with status and all the things you were saying, like that we, anybody can do it, but it's, you know, now we've shifted into the culture changing and us being so entertained and the foods that we're eating and our way of lifestyle and our overspending and busyness. And now we have a lot of, you know, obesity and heart disease and these things being the number one killers in America. And, and then you get this, this kind of weird swing of uh, fat shaming, right? Or body shaming. And it's like, we don't want to do that, but we do have to be able to find this middle ground of encouraging people that, you know, how they carry themselves, what they do with themselves based on their body type and their style, anybody can be an athlete. And it's not saying that this one person, what they look like is an athlete, but you also can't throw all that out with the bathwater and say that those things don't matter at all. So do you find that tension to be hard in your work and, and within like, you know, social media and within the world? Well, I, I absolutely agree because I think that comparison, um, it's the thief of joy. So we tend to just compare ourselves or what what's a win for us to somebody else. And that's the first mistake, right? Yep. You just If you just know what your best looks like, which it's going to change every single day what that best looks like. And, and, and you know, um, in whatever you're doing, you know, when you're dialing it in and you know, when you just had a personal victory and a personal win mm -hmm. and only you can decide that. And so I totally agree. There's a beauty in, you know, loving all body shapes and loving the strongest version of yourself. But there's also, um, a lot to be said about having really strong mindset and habits and rituals and habit stacking that are the building blocks for success. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I guess with, with sport, you know, part of, part of you learn at a very early age to become very familiar with failure, yeah. right? Like it's just part of being on any team and any sport, you're gonna fail and you get that because that failure is going to lead to your success. And I think that um, that has really allowed me to um, start with a place of not really fearing that failure, but like seeing what could happen from a stumble or a detour or a setback. And I'm grateful. And I think about where did I get that from? I got that from sports. I got that from knowing that it's not always going to be perfect. Every day is going to be different. Um, but again, like I said, it wasn't until later. And I, I, you know, my whole story, I've gotten it all wrong before I got it right. And I still haven't gotten it right, by the way. But I've really, um, you know, learned from a lot of the dark parts of my life and, and the mistakes of my life to get where I am. And I look back and I'm like, you know what? There are so many lessons that came from sports from the very early on about work ethic, about 
showing up for your team and teammates, about time management and really being able to manage priorities in your life um, and balance. And so I do attribute a lot of the lessons that I try to impart um, in my workouts and in my message from what I learned growing up. Yeah. How do you, how do you think mental health kind of impacted sports or what was, what was the thing that you learned? You know, you said you made some mistakes early on. So mm-hmm. what are maybe some of the pitfalls that you fell into and that what are, what are some of the ways that you kind of managed to get out of that? I love that question. I think, um, mental movement has definitely been my therapy and my clarity and my sanity. And it's only when I've not been able to move through many injuries where, um, one example, I didn't listen to my body over and over. I kept running and running and I, and I felt these pains in my leg and, and I didn't listen and I was running on a broken femur, mm. you know, and it, it took all those whispers. I ignored it and it went to shouts where finally I'm sidelined and I can't run for what was longer than three months. And it wasn't about the numbers. It was about that sweat helped me with my anxiety and depression and all these feelings that I was like, whoa, those endorphins, they matter. They, they, you know, they really add up. And, and I, that's why, um, I do believe I'm better after I sweat. I try to do it first thing in the morning because it does set me up for a successful day. I am a stronger person mentally. Um, I feel more clear of mind. And I also find when I start to move my legs and I don't know if you feel this too, but I, you know, people go through lists of what they need to do. And I go through kind of dreams and goals and they become very bold as I'm moving in sweat. And sometimes afterwards I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I even thought that, you know, that could be a goal, but that's where some of the best goals are born in challenge Mm -hmm. in sweat and hardship. You're like, oh, I just handled that. So what else can I handle in my life? Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's great. I think one of the things I've gotten out of, uh, I do jujitsu and, and so that's one of the things that I love and been doing it over six years. And I've had moments where I've been on the mat and, you know, my wife, we had lost a baby and, uh, we had had several miscarriages over COVID. And and I remember one day going into the gym and I did like 10 rounds and the the 10th round, like I was just exhausted and I'm on my hands and knees and I just started weeping, you know, and I'm like by myself and my partner had walked off and I'm just crying. And, uh, and it got me to this place where I could finally kind of process what I, what we had lost and what we're going through because that energy just give all that energy and I was wrung out, but it was such a high too. It was such a good endorphin kick that it allowed me to feel my feelings and to be able to process. And, you know, one of my buddies just came over and patted me and, you know, some of them and know what was going on, but it's like, that's one of the things I love about, uh, you know, sports is the, is the energy that it puts out. Um, the things that you do that you can, you can work and you can achieve. And, and, and I would say, especially exercise even more for me than sport and jujitsu happens to be the combination of all that, you know? Um, but it's those, it's those times where you push through and you don't think you can keep going and you do that. You're right. Transfer over into real life. And it's in a safe way, you know, it's in a safe environment where you can, you know, maybe in a, in a marriage or in a relationship or at a job or with addictions, man, it's, you're alone, you're isolated. So when you do things in sport, when you, when you go on a run, when you do jujitsu, when you go for a row, when you, when you do those things and you learn that your body has a window and you can push past that window, you know, you can do more than you think you can do. That does apply to life. It helps you to be able to go, okay, man, I was stuck here, but I can, I can do more than I think I can do. I can, 
I can work harder. I can push farther. I can, I can stomach this a little longer and I'll be okay. And I do think that that's one of the best things for people psychologically is, is to get up and move around, you know, to exercise, to get their body going one way or the other. Absolutely. I mean, the power it's, there's a beauty in you are entirely up to you. Right. And some people that thought is like so scary and so paralyzing. And I'm like, how great is that? Like you are entirely in choice. You make 30,000 choices a day, a day, and you can stack those small wins that build up. Uh, I'm curious how, you know, jujitsu is beautiful because it is, it's your body, it's your movement, it's your mind. Um, what led you to try jujitsu? Because I know when people try it, they never stop. It's yeah. a lifelong love, but what, you know. Yeah, for me, for me, it was. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things going on. So, uh, with movement, we call you know we call that somatic work, so body work and therapy. So you get people to be in touch with their bodies. One of the things in our culture that that's missed in the Western culture is that right. It's it's mm-hmm. if I ask somebody like if they're upset or they're emotional or they're having a bad day or they're telling me something, you know, I work in a way as a therapist where I can I can listen to you talk and even today like listen to you talk and looking at your movement when you get excited about something your body moves a certain way your energy spreads your face lights up like when you talk about something you love it's the same way when you feel something that makes you grieve or makes you feel sad or makes you uh, angry but because we're so disconnected from our bodies especially in the western world um, we can't really name that and so where those where those places are in our body tell us very specific things about those emotions and feelings too so anyway knowing all of that as a therapist and and doing my own therapy for years working through that you know i I intellectualized a lot i can i can tell you why i think something i can i've done 20 years of therapy i can tell you why you know all the trauma and all the things and how they affect me and why i do what i do in the moment but sometimes i lose touch with the feeling with actually being in my body and so it was probably, yeah, like I said, six and a half, seven years ago, we'd had some kit, we had our boys, we, you know, were exhausted, we're, we had food allergies, we had a lot of traumas going on, and I just needed some self-care. But I was going to the gym, I'd always worked out, and it just didn't do it for me. When I'd lift weights, I'd be thinking about all the stress. Uh, when i go for runs, I'd be thinking about all the stress. You know, I, I would just be processing and... and um, so one of my clients for a couple of years was like, Hey man, I do jujitsu. I had done Taekwondo for like eight years. I'd loved martial arts, but I was like, man, I'm 30 something years old. Like, I, you know, I don't know if I can go in there with these 20 year olds and do jujitsu, you know, I got to change my schedule. And so I, finally I went in, it was one of my, uh, actually one of my therapists now, a friend of mine, he was training and he was like, just come with me. And I'm like, okay. So I go in the first day, I just loved it. And, um, man, it just, it really did something where, I could, you know, be in my body, I think for men, especially, but women, you know, safe touch, like hugs and, and, you know, for men, that's not really a thing, but in jujitsu, like you get that safe touch, you're, you're connecting with people, you're have, sharing energy with people, you're working towards a common goal. Hopefully if you're at a good gym, you know, you're not fighting with each other, you're training for the bad guy, you're, you're training to be able to protect your family, the person that's out there. And so, yeah, I could do a whole podcast on jujitsu, but, uh, for me, it was, it was the combination of all those things. And then it was also the ability to get out of my head for an hour, an hour and a half. I don't think about anything else, right? I think about what's in front of me, what I'm doing, the next move. And then I end. And every time I train, I went yesterday and had a great day. I I try to train about three times a week and I I interval some weights and some other things, but for the most part, three times of jujitsu a week is great. But afterwards, for at least three and a half hours, I'm on this like high, 
where I could take on anybody, I can do anything, and I'm just in this like euphoric, you know, space for the rest of the day. Um, right. And then I'm exhausted and I sleep better. So those are the the short answer. If you get me on a jujitsu thing, I'll talk for four hours. But I love it. I mean, I love it. It reminds me of you know a lot of other movements. Like even in the trap, my triathlon days, people would go on the bike for four or five hours, and I just couldn't relax. I was jacked up. I was nervous. You know, I wasn't very comfortable on the bike. But the minute I put the running sneakers on and ran, mm. it was, I just like, it was this meditative movement. And, you know, people are like, how do you love running? I'm like, it's always just been a part of me. It's just me. It's yeah. me and my sneakers. And, and to your point, you know, not everybody is going to be a runner or love right. lift or even love jujitsu. But when you do find that movement, you know, in that first day you fall in love, like, Pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. And I love that your friend brought you because a lot of some of the things that, I mean, I did boxing for years. I never would have done it. And a friend of mine said, come one day. And I did. And like you said, I fell in love with something that humbled me. I was terrible at it, <laughs> but I was, this is awesome. And it inspired a lot of the moves that I do in burn because a lot of the moves are, they're not, you know, some are just from physical therapy that I've learned. And I'm like, I should be doing this every day. So I brought that into the movement. But some of them were from boxing that I was like, this is dynamic. I feel like an athlete. I love it. Um, but I do think it's beautiful, that raw piece that you feel, that vulnerability and that strength in the gym um, when you're moving, after you move. Um, there's something to be said. And there isn't enough for men, especially, I would say men more than women, that can connect in their feelings and in movement. Um, but that is a safe space. It's with your body and it's with that strength. And um, it, it does seem like we need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. We say all the time as a, as a Christian, you know, sometimes I get more connection at jujitsu than I do in, in a church community. And it feels like church, you know, it feels like, man, this is kind of how I feel at church with these people. Yeah. And I think when you share a common goal like that, um, whether it's sports or whether it's running, my wife loves to run. And so she, yeah. she is a killer. She can go not go for forever and then just go out there and destroy me. And some of our most uh, heated arguments have been when we're running, cause I'm over here dying and she's like running backwards in front of me. And she's like, just come on, babe. And I'm like, I'm going <laughs> to cuss you out. If you don't get away from me, just go run, like leave me alone. And she's like, well, the whole point's to come together. And I'm like, I'm miserable. My knees hurt. I'm going to throw up and we're not five minutes in. And she's like, just, you know, just chilling. And so that's that's her thing. She listens to worship music while she runs. And I'm like, how can you do that? Like, I want to listen to something else. And she's like, man, it's just a piece. It's a Zen. I'm like, well, that's how I feel about jujitsu. And she's always like, I'll never understand why you want a bunch of sweaty guys rolling around on you in pajamas, dripping sweat in your mouth. And I'm like, well, I'll never understand why you want to go for, you know, five miles of run, you know, yeah. just for fun. That's, that's great. It's like your saltwater gospel, right? That's <laughs> yeah. It does. It feels like, you know, it, and that's why I think part of, I respect that you do jujitsu three days a week. I, I, it's hard for me to actually take rest days. Mm -hmm. Um, it like, because of that feeling and that, that, uh, those endorphins and that buzz, I love it. And, but I have to force the rest days and I've learned yeah. that through. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, I would do it if it was open, I would do it every day. Like if I had the time, um, <laughs> but I also am glad that my time doesn't allow me because I used to do it more when, especially earlier on when we had, had the ability to do it. Um, but my body at 41 knows like <laughs> after three days, I'm no good. Like that fourth day, it's, it's like, a 
I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it, but I'm gonna hurt more, and then I'm gonna need recovery time. And so I think that's another part of like exercise that, and just like life, like same thing with working and achieving. The thing about sports or exercise, especially, is it it to test your limits, and then you have to learn your limits, and then you need to stay within those limits. And so I would say the same thing for people who are listening to this who are like overworking you know, or overeating or, or overproducing or overparenting or whatever the thing is they're overdoing. It comes at a cost if you push past your, your ability and that's in that sweet spot. And everybody's a little different, but I think that's one thing that, that we don't realize when we kind of measure ourselves against other people. It's like, well, they do it five times a week. Well, they're a different human being. They're a different body type. They have different resiliencies. They have different schedules. What's good for you? You know, what's good for your space and your body? Maybe some people run twice a week and that's enough. Maybe some people go to Jesus who once a week and that's enough. But right. I think all of us have to find that that sweet spot. Yeah, I really, um, I, I like I said, I, I usually find it by breaking myself down. That's yeah, what I've done. Unfortunately. Oh, you know, so, um, and I, I, I just admire the ones that gracefully just ease on into like knowing that sweet spot. I'm like, no, I, I get, I'm like, you know, zero to a hundred. That's how I do things. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, that does, that does really lend itself to, you know, early on with my eating disorder, like with the eating disorder um, and exercise addiction, oftentimes those come um, connected, right? So yeah, mine happened a little later in life. It was after college. Um, it was during those marathon, uh, marathon and triathlon days where, Really, it just started because I'm so competitive and I just noticed like, um, A, the ones that women that were running the races, they were thin. And so I was looking at my like soccer body with my really strong thighs and and I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to run longer. I'm going to change what I'm eating. And the thinner I got, the faster I got, the faster I got, the more races I won. So it was fueling what I now see the habits were um, incredibly destructive but at the time, um, it, I looked strong. I mm-hmm. looked the part, um, but what was going on in the inside of my body was anything but strong. And so it was like 100, 110 miles a week I was running. And your body can't sustain that. So like I said, you know, there was the broken femur. But I didn't break my femur once. I decided to do it twice because, you know, once that didn't make sense. Um, but at the same time, I had very brittle bones. I was... Um, really lacking calories, um, low body mass, no period. I hadn't gotten my period for over a decade. Um, and so my bones couldn't handle the pounding mm. and I wasn't taking the days off. I wasn't fueling properly. I had this locked in mindset and I don't even know. It was very misinformed where if I'm not going to work out, then I can't take those calories in. And so um, for many years, I wasn't even able to talk about this struggle that I had because it's like a dirty word. It's like nobody really talks about eating disorders or um, they're just it's uh, an epidemic. However, people are just like, eat a eat a cheeseburger, you know, like, right. like what's the problem? And it's, it goes so much deeper. And oftentimes it has nothing to do with food. It goes to the control or lack of control or the sadness in your life. And um, I've worked really hard on reversing my relationship to food and my relationship to 
really pounding and grinding my body and just thinking that one way is the only way I could get the results that I want to get and to feel strong. Um, but by far, my definition of strong was completely wrong. Um, so I like to shed light in those dark spots. I like to talk about it because as when I was in the depths of my struggle, I wanted to find some information that could help me, like something, something that is tangible that I could just start somewhere to reverse because it wasn't until a lot of people were talking to me and saying they're worried about me and I'm um, constantly in doctor's offices, I'm constantly dealing with stress fractures and it it was at a point where uh, this one stress fracture should have healed in six to eight weeks and three months later, there's no sign of any sort of healing. And my doctor's like, you need to go see you know, an eating disorder specialist, which is like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's like, I'm good. And I had to get on a geriatric drug that was given to people that um, are probably 80 or older. And when they break a hip and their bones can't heal, they every day like inject themselves with this drug. And here I am and I'm in my mid twenties and I am injecting my thigh every morning because I won't bring a fork to my mouth. And it was at that point that I'm like, something's got to change because this isn't healthy. I'm not able to do the things that I want to do and that I love to do. And that's the beginning of the healing. And it's a choice and choices that I make every single day that I'm going to be strong. I'm going to fuel my body. I want to show up and not be attached to what it looks like or comparison and um, a big part of the workouts that I put out there and burn, I say, get away from the numbers. Like, don't look at a scale. Don't look at your heart rate. I want you to get away from how it looks and just go by how it feels. And mm-hmm. that's because for me, that keeps me in that lane, that healthy lane of getting away from the comparison, but getting away from any number that's going to decide how I'm going to feel about myself. Um, I lost too many years of my life um really being pinned down by those numbers and I, I want no part of it. So I never wear a watch when I work out. I never you know, people are like, oh, why don't you check your calories burn? I'm like, not a good place for me. But I do know that took a rest day, that was a win. You know, I ate, I ate really healthy. That was a win. And so my wins look much different than what they used to look. Um, but it's it's a it's something that I've worked really hard in. and there's a lot of people out there, men and women, that struggle with um, some form of eating disorder. And I think we just need to shed some light on it more. Absolutely. Um, we have a couple of dietitians that partner with us and, um, you know, they, they work really hard to help people have different relationships with food and their body versus a diet versus, um, oh, don't eat that. Don't eat this. This is good. This is bad. Um, calorie counting, you know, and, and again, I'm not here to judge what anybody does, but there are, some really toxic ways of thinking about how we've set things up and, and over time, how things have changed. You know, if we look at uh, Barbie dolls and we look at, you know, what, a, what, a, what's attractive and what's not attractive that that's changed every, you know, 50 to a hundred years, um, drastically changed, not just a little bit. And um, I think it's pretty crazy that, you know, we, we think we know so much about all of this 
2024. And yet we're just learning and, and we're all learners and we're all trying to figure it out. But we do have some evidence that, uh, you know, the numbers are a problem. And, and when you're, when you're looking at external value, right, when you're looking at a number to match or, a uh, a, a belt to achieve or a, uh, a, a specific weight that you want to lift when it comes to sports, then it's never going to be enough. You know, you build a loud ladder, you climb the ladder, you get to the top and you build another ladder and it's the journey. It's the process of this stuff. That's really most important. It's, uh, realizing that you're enough just as you are. However, what do you want to get better in and what end up redefining success? What is success? And I think with a lot of people, when it comes to performance, whether that's in sports or career, even as a parent or a spouse, the performance has to be about, do I know myself? Have I learned about myself? Have I grown in who I think that I am and the journey and understanding the ins and outs? Like you said, like, you know, what's good for you. You know, what's going to make you feel good. You know, the right time of the day to work out and when not to. And, and my hope for people as therapists and, and counselor to work with people is like, you got to know that about yourself. And if you don't, then you're missing out on, you know, being a full human on being able to have that insight and that wisdom into making your day, the most successful day and to not be, uh, selfish about it, right. To not just make it, not to make it all about you, but it does start with valuing and loving yourself and feeling empowered in your identity. Um, because everything else flows out of that. Absolutely. I mean, there is something like, healthy self is heal thyself. And I have that written um, in my gym and I look at it every day. And it's um, it's a great, what you just said was so powerful because you're diluting your the, you, your life's journey, your power, if you think that one size fits all. You know, if you're looking for that magic pill or I guess in today's world, that shot that people are taking, right? Ooh. You can look all the way in the you're world. You're stepping but on some not, toes. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> with what's going on if you're not dealing with you know how you put that weight on to begin with it's just going to manifest in other ways and so um i i do feel like a lot of the lessons like you know we're around the same age i learned them young i learned i learned it hard it was front-loaded with a lot of pain but i'm i'm so grateful for that because the second chapter of my life it's got experience and there's a great quote. I think it's Mark Twain. He's like said something about um, experience. Um, oh, I'm going to botch this, but it's like good decisions come from experience. Uh, experience comes from making bad decisions, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is why that's, that's, that's lit the way and been my North star. But what you do with um, that feedback in your life, that's up to you that it is. And you watch people, this blows my mind and it's, it's not just in fitness, but you see it really magnified in fitness, doing that same thing over and over again and expecting that different result. And as you know, that's insanity. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. But for whatever reason, they're, they are locked in and they can't get out of their own way. And I was that. So I'm not saying like, I was that. I lived that. I only thought if I ran 110 miles a week and I ate nothing, that I was gonna win those marathons and hit my goals. And that's such a one-dimensional way of thinking when this life is so dimensional, but you're just putting the horse blinders on and you can't see it. Absolutely. I think, you know, 
for me as a Christian, that's where the gospel comes in, this idea that all people are made in God's image, and so they all have intrinsic worth and value as they are. However, we don't want to just stay as we are in this broken world, like God's made us and called us for more. Um, ultimately, a heavenly being, like this thing that's that's in relationship with him, that's perfect, that's redeemed, that's restored. But in the meantime, all of us have worth and value because we're humans. And I always tell people, like, do you know the one thing you have to do to have worth and value? You have to breathe. You have to take in air. Like, that's it. You know, you just take a breath, and that means you have worth and value. And if you have worth and value, that means you can do anything you want to. But when you believe that your worth and value comes from external things, you're going to continually be anxious. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be irritated. You're going to constantly feel like a failure because all of those things are ash and dust. Like they're all going to fall apart. One day we won't be able to run. We won't be able to exercise. We won't be able to do jujitsu. We won't be able to, you know, make money. Our jobs will end. Things will happen. And no matter how hard we try, and even if we do all the right things, there's so much that's out of our control that that can still happen and still does happen. Yep. But that doesn't change our worth and value. That doesn't change our our um, purpose on earth uh, to connect with other people, to have intimacy with other people, to value and love and be in community with other people. And I think that, especially in America, we have put such a heavy emphasis on that external stuff that that's really the root cause of so many things. And then, you know, so you just take sports or you take athletics and you put that on it. It's like, yeah, there's not a one-size-fits-all. You know, some people need to take the shot. Some people need to be on mental health medication. Some people, those things are case by case. But I think sadly, a lot of people, because they're measuring their worth and value against other people, because they're looking to other people for what's right, what's wrong, how should I do this? Well, they're doing that and they're achieving that. And their podcast has 5 million views and their book sold this many copies. And and they're running, you know, 400 miles a day. And well, they got promoted to this. And it's like, no, just, just be on your journey. Be walking in your story and what God has for you. And that's where you're going to find contentment and happiness and peace. You know, they say if you go chasing after happiness, right, you'll never find it because happiness is in the moment. It's right now. It's this podcast. It's us talking and going, man, this is just connecting with another human being, getting to know somebody, hear their story. I mean, that's joy. And then when I leave this, how do I continue that throughout the rest of the day and everything I'm doing instead of spending all day thinking about the trauma or the shame or the things that I've done in the past, right? The addictions or the, the mistakes I've made, man, that's just going to bring shame and depression and, and, uh, horrible feelings. Or I can think about tomorrow and the next day and that number I really want to achieve or that money I want in the bank or that belt I want to have around my waist or that woman or man I want to marry. And then that's going to lead to anxiety. It's going to lead to fear. It's going to lead to, oh my gosh, well, all that's out of my control. So what do I need to do right this second to make sure that's achievable? Because if I don't get that, then blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, just take a breath, be in the moment, enjoy what you're doing, which I think is what running and exercising and, you know, using our bodies does it. You can't, you know, go do those things well and not be right there in the moment, a hundred percent in that, in that space. If Absolutely. Any, if, if that makes sense. No, oh, oh, it made sense and it resonated. I mean, I have goosebumps because, you know, one thing that you did say is just like that shame um, of whatever faults or addictions that you've had in the past. And and I truly believe that because of um, my struggle and my eating disorder, that actually gives me more volume to turn up my message because mm. I've lived in that and I've been in those shoes and I know the struggles 
And I know all the lies I told myself along the way. And so doesn't that just give you an allowance to take that weakness and, and use it as your strength? So I couldn't agree with you more. And reminding yourself that there are things that are completely out of your control. What is that is daily, you know, like, like daily, I'll just be in a really a terrible mood. And, you know, you just, you have to just stop and just be like, check yourself. Like mm -hmm. you are in control of your attitude and your approach. And you can decide like in that moment to just course correct and reverse engineer that feeling so that you don't lose any more of that day. That's good. Um, but I, I love, I, I, you know, this isn't something that, you know, you hear once and you can immediately implement in your life. But if you say it a lot and you, you just keep saying, you know, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. Don't have anybody else proofread your vision and your dreams. Like how, how can they decide from where you have been to where you want to go, how you get there? Mm -hmm. But you can. That's right. And, th and that goes back to the external, you know, where is your locus of control? And if it's on other people's opinions of you or other people's opinions of what dreams you can achieve or what goals you can do, then you're going to be dead in the water because they don't know. They're not you. They can give you a best guess. They can tell you their story. I mean, that's what we're doing right now for, you know, that's why we do the podcast because it's not invaluable. It's, it's valuable to hear other people's stories and, and what got them through it. But if you take that and go, well, only I can only do X, Y, Z because that's what happened to them. Then you miss the point. The point of sharing these stories is to give an overall view of like what we can do and how, you know, your eating disorder that led to you waking up and having healthy views and then taking that and being able to use it for other people. You know, my traumas in my past and whether it's war or abuse or whatever I've been through, it's allowed me to be a therapist. It's allowed me to sit in really dark places with people. And so, yeah, I can look back on that stuff. I can even look a week ago and look at something and feel a lot of shame and go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I can't believe that's who I am. Or I can acknowledge, no, I'm an infallible person. I'm a fallible person. I make mistakes. I'm not infallible. And I can just learn better as I go and try to do better the next day, try to do better the next moment. Um, and I think that's where hope comes in is that we have to have hope that we, we can be better and do better. But that better is not performance driven. It, it's already been given to us. We already are better um, because God wired us that way and made us that way. Absolutely. It's part of the human experience. If you're not making mistakes every day, like, or I, this is how I tell myself, I tell myself, you know, if I'm not failing eight, 10, 12 times a day, then I'm not getting uncomfortable. I'm not challenging myself. Um, I'm not pushing. Um, the boundaries and I don't want to stay complacent. I've never been comfortable in one place. And um, sure, that that sounds torture, but I think that's just exciting to be like, yeah, last week, are you kidding me? Last week to this week, hopefully next week's different. I mean, that's just, that's part of the whole journey, but it is in appreciating it. And I, I actually, as much as my body gets tired and the, gosh, the aches are a little more profound now, I love knowing this now and I, I'm enjoying in my 40s and, you know, my 20s and 30s, it was all about that comparison or like these outside external factors that at the end of the day didn't mean anything. And I, I just, I got it wrong and I like being older and, you know, knowing um, what I know now and knowing I'm going to learn a lot more along the way. 
<laughs> yeah, that's really what the forties do. The forties make you go, you know, go. Oh yeah, when I'm fifty, I'm going to realize how much of an idiot I am right now at forty. <laughs> you know, at thirty, at thirty, you're like, oh, I think I'm figuring it out. You know, you're like, I think I'm figuring it out right now. And then at at, at you know forty, you're like, I didn't figure anything out. No. You know, I know a little bit. I'm going to know way more at fifty. Man, you know, so I, I do like this season. I hope that what we can pass down to people, because I do believe this. I believe part of that is just a normal course of life is as you get older, you get more wise. But I do think that unfortunately for us, you know, we stay in adolescence now a lot longer. And because of yeah. traumas and, you know, parents and, you know, all the things we never resolve in our early, you know, teens, late teens and early 20s. You know, I hope that people can hear this and, and deal with their issues earlier, you know, that. The people who are listening to this that are in their 20s or younger, they they can start now kind of going, hey, I need to check some habits and really start figuring out like what it is that I get my worth and value from and what do I want 30 years from now when I'm 40 like these two, like what is that going to look like and what do I want to learn? And then if you find yourself in your 40s or older listening to this, realize it's never too late. It's never too late to course correct and adjust. I mean, if the best you can do tomorrow is get up and stretch and move around for 10 minutes in your living room, start there. You know, but none of us can make the excuse for the most part that we can't do that, that we can't go for a light walk, that we can't get up and stretch, you know, and, and know if in your head, as soon as you get up and start stretching, you're like, this isn't enough or man, this is going to be hard or this is going to be too much. It's like, yeah, it is for a while, but it's one day at a time. It's one moment at a time. And before you know it, you're touching your toes. Before you know it, you're able to walk a little bit. Before you know it, you can run. Before you know it, you're doing a 5K. Before you know it, you're doing a half marathon. I have seen it done every day in my office as I work with people. And I've seen marriages come in and people go, "There's, I'm done. I'm divorced and I don't want to be here. And then two years later, renew their vows. I've seen somebody come in who's been trafficked as a human for five years who thinks I'm never going to be able to function. I'm never going to have a day without panic attacks or intrusive thoughts. And then two, three years later, they're working at Subway. They have their kids back and they're, they're, you know, the worship pastor at a church. Like these are the things that humans are capable of when we have belief. But when we believe that our worth and value comes from all the things, then we're just in a never ending cycle of performance and achieving that just ends with us being miserable. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of takeaways from today and all your podcasts. And I do think that another takeaway as a parent, as a, as a human is to celebrate failure. I mean, don't yep. like it's, there is a culture right now. Um, my dad's a soccer coach, a high school soccer coach. And I still, I help him on the sidelines in the fall whenever I can. Cause I, I just love watching him do his thing and do it so well and work with young men and really, help them grow into these amazing human beings. But, you know, as the years have passed, like parents don't want their kids, they want a buffer life, right? They just want to like have those like bowling alley bumpers all like, and it, it, it does everybody disservice. Like I, I appreciate the resilience that um, I had to fight for um, Mm -hmm. in, in the younger years of my life. Because then you, you're capable. And if without that, I wouldn't have that touch point or the knowledge um, of what to do with adversity. You know, I want to be able to depend on myself um, for, you know, it's great to have partners and companions and people. But at the end of the day, like, I want to know that I've got that power within me, like, to, to take that on. And you only get that from dealing with the dark times and the failures and the setbacks. And so 
I also pe- hope people just hear that and believe in that, that either, you know, if, if there, there's failure in the household or within themselves, that's, that's, that's not the end of something, you know, it can in fact be, allow it to be a beginning if you want it to, or an ending if it wasn't for you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. We might, you might as well learn how to do the work of acceptance because it's going to happen anyway. You know, you can right. the failure is going to happen. And yeah, you're never learning or growing if you're not failing or screwing something up. You know, I've given talks and messed up. I've done a podcast and messed up. We, oh. you know, you know, I've gotten choked out in jujitsu. I mean, just this week, uh, two, yesterday, I was rolling with a guy, new guy, super sweet guy, and we're rolling. And you know, I let him get past my guard, and I let him get inside control, and I let him get his my hands, his hands around my neck. You know, I had to, I'm letting him work. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get out. And then I couldn't. And then I, you know, I'm tapping to a choke to a white belt, and you know, I'm like, that it happens, right? And yeah, I, I, you know, I let him get a lot of levels, but at the end of the day, I lost, I tapped, I had to go, okay, right now in this moment, in this set, you know, this session, you got me. And so I learned from that, you know, and, and we learn from those failures and you learn how to really have ego death to realize like, it's about learning. It's about doing better. It's about shaping yourself into a better human being. It's not about winning or losing. You're going to lose. It's going to happen. You know, everybody loses. Every every athlete has taken the the shot of the game and and missed it. Every yeah. quarterback has, you know, thrown a interception. Every wide receiver's dropped a ball. Every you know soccer player has missed the goal. I mean, these things happen, and they learn from it. And if if you're perfect, you know, there's there's nothing to learn from and grow from. And and in my opinion, there was only one perfect person. And you know, we just got to learn that acceptance is is the pathway to peace in some in some regard and i think therapy i think talking talking through these things just like this like talk, listening to things that are encouraging and that make your mind you know a process and paradigm shift those are the things where you realize oh there's a process to learning to accept it's it's not as simple as just saying hey listen to this podcast and accept it even that that process of accepting is is not black and white and is very nuanced and you know some days you accept it more than others and and some days you don't for sure let me ask you this do, do you it's because you are in a world where it's social media and it's podcasts and there's so many it's saturated yeah. with um a lot of people do you listen um are there some podcasts that you listen to religiously do you do you just try to just kind of just stay in your lane and not really listen to too many voices because you've got your message. I mean, I'm just wondering, because for me, even with burn, um, I don't watch other workouts and I don't watch it. I think it's always that imposter in me that thinks like, I know what I'm doing. I don't want to ever be, you know, I'm not, I'm not copying anybody. I know this is what I believe in. And, and I also don't want that comparison coming in. Like we talked about earlier. Uh-huh. So, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? So what you're talking about is uh, authenticity, right? Like yeah. being congruent and uh, there's nothing new under the sun. So there's nothing I'm going to say on here that somebody way smarter than me hasn't already said in some other different way. But what I've gotten to in the last year, especially, but last couple of years is, um, but I have a sphere of influence that's different than anybody else's and they're not listening to mental health podcasts. They're not parenting their kids the way that that I'm learning. They're not 
reading books on abuse and prevention and technology. You know, I have thousands of people a year that text me and say, how do I do this with my kid? When do I talk to my kid about these things? How do I keep them on social media? They're not calling anybody else. And that's not because I'm a smarter, any smarter than anybody else. It's because I'm in their sphere of influence and God has me for that portion. When I start getting into oh, well, I want my portion to be bigger, or if my portion was this way, or if this, then yes, then I, what I would do is then go watch somebody else's podcast. I would watch Jordan Peterson and go, well, I want to be like Jordan Peterson. So what did Jordan Peterson do to get this? I'm going to try that same thing, and I would fail miserably. Or I would be extremely successful and be miserable because it's not for me. Uh, There's this story in, and I cannot think of the, the person who who talked about this off the top of my head, but there's the story of uh, Joseph in the Bible. So I don't know if you know this story or anybody who's listening, but it's this it's this son, and he he gets uh, he gets this dream at night, and his his brothers are going to bow down to him, and so the brothers get mad when he tells them this, and he throws they they take him and they pretend to murder him, and he gets put in trafficking, and he gets brought to Egypt, and he gets put in this prison. And in the prison, there's a baker and there's another guy and they, he's with them. And Joseph ends up becoming like the, the chief of the prison and helping people. And everything he did was just excellent. And the baker and the uh, other advisor of the king get released. And when they get released, Joseph says, hey, remember me. When you get to the king, remember me, tell him about me and get me out of here. Well, Joseph ends up having to stay two more years because essentially he's still making it about him. He's still making it about his agenda. And until he realized, like, no, God has me here for a reason, and that reason is to tend to this prison and to be the best in this prison that I can. And then once I've accomplished that, then he releases me to the next thing. And so for me, I'm always hesitant to, you know, I'll reach out to a couple people and say, hey, you want to do the podcast? Because I value, like, who you are, like kind of what we did. Is this- and, and I, you know, looking at numbers and going, well, they, they have 5 million followers or they have three, like that comes into it to a degree but I really try to have my life where it's like, no, it's it's about what I want in, in the sense of like who I believe in, who I think is awesome. I have people on here that have no followers that literally have two, you know, like, yeah. but because I love them and I think they're amazing. And then something they said on a podcast or in a thing I felt like was really encouraging and needed to be heard. Then I'm like, hey, come talk with me because I don't care if anybody else listens to this. I want to get something out of it. I want to mm-hmm. grow. And if it helps the person who I'm talking to, let's do that. And, and so that's kind of my mentality about it. I am careful with what I read because, and what I listen to, because it does influence your cadence and what you're doing and how you're trying to produce it. And you can end up going, well, this sounded really good and they had it this way. So I'm going to do that same thing. And I just find that the, the healthier, the healthier I am, the more people I have around me who know me and hold me accountable, the more people around me who uh, spend time with me and know my failures and my fears, the less likely that's going to happen. Cause they're going to call my butt out on it. Like as that's soon it. as I, if I did a story or a podcast or a reel that was like, not who I am, I would have five, six people text yeah. me like, bro, what is this? Like, are you serious? I know you wrote a book, but dude, chill. You know, like if yeah. I did something like that in my life, but if I was isolated and I didn't have those people, I think I would, I would definitely fall victim to that. So it's not because Clint has better morals or better insight or better wisdom. It's because I have, by the grace of God, put people in my life who won't allow that type of stuff. My wife is certainly not going to be like, oh, that's cool. Great. You got a lot of follows. She's gonna be like, you look like a tool. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, that's not who you are. So yeah, yeah I would say all that. 
Great. That's awesome. No, you have to surround yourself not with the ones that say yes, but really keep you in check. And I love that about your sphere of influence and just really appreciating that and appreciating like having their ear and their energy. And that's the steps towards success. I have no doubt that it's going to continue to grow because you, yeah, everyone has a workout just like everyone has a podcast. I mean, we're both in that very saturated space, but our message and our authenticity is why we have people that are lifers that I call that are always going to be there because they know that they get this unfiltered, unapologetic, real, you know, human with a heart just trying to do good. And that, you know, that you can't put um, a number of followers to that, the beauty in that. No, you can't. I mean, I think the stuff that I've seen you produce, like, and I've looked at your Instagram, like you do it really well. You keep it really clean. Like you, you do it. You, you, it's, it's about the passion. You can feel that it's authentic where some girl, I mean, some ladies, some guys, right. They're, they're shooting everything from certain angles. If they're there, it's obvious what they're trying to do and what they're trying to sell. And, you know, and like you do that really well. You know, you, I, I can tell that through your authenticity, through your presentation, through the, through the YouTube stuff I've listened to you on, which is why I had you on, you know, it's like, yeah. I, you know, there's a thousand people I could pick from to go, Hey, come on and do this thing, but I'm not going to, and I don't care if they have 5 million followers. If I'm looking on their stuff and I'm going, Oh, that's not something I would share. That's not something I'm going to promote. Then it's difficult for me to, to, to do it. And I'm not saying everybody has to be perfect. Not I don't agree with everything everybody does. Yeah. Um, but there is a, there's a spectrum, right. Where you have to be smart within that, that world. And if it's the me show or if it's, you know, whatever, I mean, I'm very hesitant to even try to put myself in that sphere. And the last thing I would say is again, you said it beautifully, right? Comparison's the thief of joy. But if you look at the numbers, your weight or the followers you have on Instagram or the podcast listeners or the people who have signed up for your burn workout or who bought your book, man, you're going to be so stressed out because someone's always going to have more. Someone's always going to be on stuff that you think you want to be on. Someone's always going to get that call. I was talking to a buddy, uh, shout out to Ellie if he's listened to this, but he's a therapist and he's been working for like three, four years to get this one thing. He he's a Jewish guy. And so he just got invited to the speaking thing that he's been sending emails to reaching out for, for like four years. And this year he finally got it. And so we were texting this yesterday and, uh, and I was just like, man, that's awesome. But man, that's, that's a grind. You know, grind. And if you let four years of rejections of people saying, no, not this year, not responding, but you don't know, you know, you don't know what you're, you're planning. And I think you can, where you take this fruit of your work and you can cut open this apple and you can see exactly how many seeds are in it, but you have no, no clue how many apples are going to come out of that seed. And Right. So your, our job is just to keep planting seeds, keep doing the right thing. If you do it, I, I truly believe if you do that authentically, if you do that honestly and with integrity, then the people who also are doing that are going to come to bat for you. They're going to lift you up. They're going to have you on. They're going to do those things. And then you will go as far as God wants you to go. But if you worry about that based on your own insight to how far that should be or how much fruit should be out of that, I mean, you're never going to be satisfied. I love that. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, the authenticity, you know, with um, a lot of the workouts, these, they're beautiful models that are airbrushed with blowouts. I can't remember the last time I got a hair blowout, but (laughs) like makeup from like two days ago will be running down my face. 
there's going to be a dog in the background and that's real life. You yeah. know, there was a few workouts. I was, I was definitely, I was grieving and I pressed play and I said, I'm going to work through my feelings just like you are. And there's a power in that, you know, I, 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 I see the whole aspirational piece, but I really feel the relatable piece The yeah. you're, you know, we're working out, we're in this, we're doing the talks, the therapy together and it's a we thing. And that goes so much longer than um, any of the filters and the airbrushes and, and the, the, the perfection. And so um, congrats to your friend, Ellie. That is the grind. He, you know, he worked hard for it. And it's going to taste that much sweeter because he knows all the sacrifice that he put in in Absolutely. order to, you know, enjoy the fruits of his labor. And, um, you know, I've loved talking to you today. I, 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 I love the bringing in of faith-based and hard work and mental health and all the things. Um, we need more of that, for sure. Well, good. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, I, you know, you had a lot, a lot of good online stuff for people that I think uh, anybody can do. So I hope that if you're listening to this, you will check out uh, Mandy on Instagram. You look at her burn workout. I know nowadays, especially stay-at-home moms and people working from home, you know, people are like, I can't go to the gym or I don't want to pay for that, especially right now in the economic world that we're in where people are like, golly, gym membership $75 and I'm going whatever. You don't need anything but body weight and some and some dumbbells and some stretch, right. you know, stuff. So, um, can you tell them what they where they can find you and what they can look at? And we'll put all this in the uh, in the show notes too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, it's Burn by Mandy, and then on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Mandy Demarzo, and I have um, a website that's mandydemarzo.com, and that's where all the workouts are. So there's over a thousand plus workouts and created just libraries that are workouts that are 45 minutes long to workouts that are 10 minutes long. So it does fit everybody's schedule. And I'm coming out next month with actually a mommy series. Oh, nice. Uh, going to be uh burn workouts. Then I have a friend doing Pilates and then it's mom nutrition and then just mom wisdom because they have, you know, the hardest job out there. And I want to compliment what they're doing with the movement and, you know, the mental health piece. Um, so I'm coming out with that next month, but that's, that's awesome. Well, that's, that's very much needed. I didn't even know that. And I was saying that about mom. So yeah, I know uh, that's cool. So I will definitely share that stuff and then we'll be in touch and, uh, I will get Mandy stuff out to all of you guys. Thanks for listening and God bless you and have a good week.